Welcome back to the HMA Interview Podcast. We are excited to have three-time NCAA qualifier for Penn State, Mark McKnight, join us today for the 49th interview. Before we roll the episode, let me fill you in on the latest at HMA Wrestling. First and foremost, we are very, very close to finishing up our next merchandise order, and we'll put the gear up on our site once we get it in. Also, our brand new Rockfin page is looking super clean, and we'd love it if you go check it out over at rockfin.com slash Wrestling. All of our content is completely free. All you have to do is sign up and create a free Rockfin account to view it. All right, enough from me. Let's turn it over to Mark McKnight. All right, Coach Mark, Mark McKnight, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Jude. Hey, it's my pleasure. Hey, uh, where are you right now? I'm in my guest bedroom. Um, I like it in here. It has nice lighting. Uh, I never really hang out in here. And, oh, you don't uh, hang out in your guest bedroom? Like, it's not the no, hangout spot? No, not really. There's a TV <laughs> in here, but it's not even plugged in. And I'm pretty proud of it, though. I actually mounted the TV to a TV mount on the wall, which, Whoa. like, uh, that's pretty serious because I got to use power tools and I did it right. Nice. And it's, it's still hanging there to this day. So, uh, yeah, I tried to hang a, uh, like, a, like a wall hooks for, like, my sweatshirts or whatnot. Just fell right off the wall. Broke mm-hmm. all the hooks. Mm-hmm. Not, I'm not too not handy good. myself, so nope. <laughs> I, I I grew up uh, training hand to hand combat. So, um, you know, my skills with a hammer aren't aren't are pretty limited. Yeah. No, me me too. Um, not Ezra, <laughs> my younger brother Ezra, so good. He can throw yeah. stuff up. He's handy. Oh, the Swisher family all has their their skills, their trades. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah, so. they do. Man, so uh, so Coach Mark, what were you doing this past weekend? Well, this past weekend, Jude, I was in Somerset, Pennsylvania, near a little town called Rockwood, and I was officiating a wedding. What? Officiating a wedding? For who? Uh, Good question. For Penn State wrestling alumni, Matthew McCutcheon. Matthew McCutcheon. Dang. Uh, Yeah. Wow. Coach, how long have you been uh, officiating weddings? Uh, Let's see. I would say my first wedding was back in maybe... 2012 13 somewhere around there mm-hmm. uh and it was guess who it was for who? fellow fellow penn state wrestling alumni uh tim haas no way timmy yeah and did he yeah <laughs> yeah i mean so this is a good story so i i i came back from competing in france i was over in nice uh completing competing in an overseas tournament and at this point i've never really had too many overseas tournaments and you know i I had come back from that and I walk in the door and I'm catching up with my roommates. I'm actually living with Tim and his fiance, Heather, uh, mm-hmm. who was a Penn state alumni gymnast. Um, and I'm like, Hey Heather, you know, how's it going? Good. You know, Oh, it's good to see you. How was France? Great. We're making small talk. And then I just go, Hey, how's the, how's the wedding planning going? And she's like, Mark, it's going absolutely wonderful. She's like, but there's just one thing we can't figure out. And I'm like, what's that? And she replies, well, we can't, we're not, we're not sure who's going to marry us. And I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? You know, don't you just get somebody down there? And she's yeah. like, well, it's just, it's just weird. Like we're going to have some complete stranger marry us, like some priest or justice of the peace or whoever can do it down in Florida. That's where the wedding was, Florida. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm just looking at her and I'm like, well, well, I'll do it. And she's like, what are you, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I don't know. There's gotta be a way. Right. Right. And so, and so I Googled it and this, the universal church or the 
Universal Church of Life or something, some, some website popped up immediately. And there's a picture of David Letterman, the old TV host, <laughs> ho- holding a certificate that says, I can legally marry people. And I'm like, well, if David could do it, I could do it. Yeah. Right. So I went on and I paid an eight, eight dollars for this certificate. You know, I watched a how to video or something. And and next thing you know, I'm uh, I'm licensed to to marry people. Whoa. And uh, yeah. <laughs> how and many it weddings have you done? Oh, my gosh. So that's a good question. I've actually lost count. Um, I know I'm above 10. And I'm not sure if I'm in the teens yet. I need to go back. People were asking me that this weekend. How many mm. have I done? And I need to go back and just kind of, kind of figure it out and, and uh, see how many I've actually done. So I'm, I'm right near the teens, I believe. And now, are these um, weddings for people you know, or are they like, you know, people just hire you for a weekend or, or what? Good question. So most of the people that I've I've done are like family and friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of my wrestling friends, right? Um, they, let's see, I've done Jake Barner's wedding, you know, sport in the shirt. Nice. No big deal. No big um, deal. You got Eric Thompson. I performed his wedding. Um, Adam Lynch is the director of operations for Penn state. My former teammate, right? He, I did his wedding. Um, I just did McCutcheon's. I've done my barber, her, her, her and his, her and his husband, um, I've done one random wedding where I didn't even meet the couple. Amen. Amen. Remember Amon Ol? You know, Amon. Mm-hmm. Right. One of the, one of the local wrestlers here at St. Joe's. He, uh, his mom approached me and she's like, I heard you do weddings. I'm like, yeah. She's like, would you want to do my sisters? And I said, yeah, it's my <laughs> okay. schedule. Let's do it. It's down in Lancaster. We'll, we'll make it happen. And, uh, so I just emailed her, her sister the whole time she was emailing me back and, and I went down there and I prepared this ceremony for them and knocked it out of the park and wished them the best of luck and <laughs> that's, that's awesome yeah wow so easy peasy yeah yeah it's been cool um and you know i don't do it to really make a living i just kind of want to help out my fellow you know wrestlers family and friends so uh, that's not something like you know that people really think about right when you think about a job or think about like you know like so, like something that people can do for money you don't think like oh officiate yeah. weddings right yeah, no but absolutely. that someone's got to do it don't, don't they so it's pretty special yeah it it was it it's it's really cool that i've been able to do that and uh you know be a part of somebody's like something that's as special as marriage mm. right I, and i get to be kind of a part of it that's pretty that's pretty and, awesome and and i'm not a stranger to, to most of these people so right. you know it's it's just kind of cool how I come into their life and I'm able to do that for them. Mm. Give back in a way. Yeah. Give back in a way. Yeah. The, the place that this place was uh, at was really beautiful too. It was on a maple farm mm. and you're driving through, you're driving down this hill in the middle of nowhere. And there's these tubes running from maple tree to maple tree and they're yeah. taps and they would flow all the way into like this vessel. And then the guy would take it to his, his like little plant there, this little processing plant. Mm-hmm. And he would make maple syrup. I mean, it was just really, really fascinating. And it's just, just a beautiful, beautiful atmosphere for, for Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Matt McCutcheon. That's awesome. Matt yeah, McCutcheon. He, it was awesome too, Jude. There was tons of Penn State alumni there. Yeah. Um, just because Matt was, Matt was such an a, a ambassador for wrestling. And, and um, he married a, a track runner for Penn mm-hmm. State too. And, ah. and, and so, but Matt was also on the, 
student board, I think, or was involved with it somehow. And he, so he had a lot of friends in other sports and mm. it was just really cool. We did a big alumni photo and yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. It was awesome. That's awesome. So, and then you're, you're back here in, uh, in Belfont PA getting yes, ready sir. to go back to the M2 training center, do some, do some coaching. Um, but mm-hmm. before we talk a little bit about that coaching itself, um, you know, for longtime listeners of the podcast, you'll know that you were on, um, you know, what is it now? It's gotta be. Oh, it's a long time ago. It's gotta be like last August. It might, it might be a full year almost. Um, uh, I can't remember. It, it's been a while, but you were on a while back. Um, and if you haven't listened to that episode, uh, you know, you might not know all the details of, of, of who Mark McKnight is. So coach Mark, you want to give us the, the mini bio, the, 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 um, shoot, it's the word slipping my tongue, but you know what I mean? I know who what you, you mean. Coach Mark, who am I? Uh, Mark McKnight born and raised in, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, phenomenal place to grow up at the WPIL. Uh, I did not have to travel very far for good competition, you know? So growing up, um, you know, it was just awesome. I was able to come out of this environment and, and, and everything like that. Uh, won a couple PJW state championships. Oh, that's not a couple. That's, yeah. that's like four. Yeah, that was four. I pulled, I held up to number four and then, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, placed a few times at States. I hit, I hit, uh, second, what I take second, third, first, um, had a bunch of, I, I was a seven time all American at Fargo. I got a, I got a national championship, um, in Greco, uh, my, my senior year, my last year as a junior. And I want to just say, I'm not, I'm not saying like these kids that are achieving all American status, uh, this year, like in Fargo and all that stuff. Cause it's not easy to do, mm-hmm. but man, we had the old school pools where the brackets were extremely long and you had to win your pool, your, your side of the bracket. Mm-hmm. I mean, the one year, I took uh, second and third. I wrestled 26 matches um, <laughs> in, in seven days with six weigh-ins. Oh, my so, gosh. I mean, that's the kind of grind we had to go through if you wanted to stand on the podium multiple times. And then uh, I actually started my wrestling career uh, in college at the University of Buffalo. Uh, I got MAC freshman of the year. Pretty sweet. Nice. Um, and then – Lost twice in the All-American round, and I just kind of needed a change in my environment and ended up transferring to Penn State. And uh, I've kind of been here ever since. Hmm. Um, so I moved back to Penn State to wrestle for the Ninny Line Wrestling Club back in about late 2010. Uh, I competed all the way through 2016, and now I'm uh, retired from competition, and, and I coach um, you know, the senior-level athletes there at the RTC. And I'm also involved with uh, Coach Taylor's club, um, M2. So I'm the head coach of, of M2 Training Center. Yeah, you carry that whole thing on your back. See that? See these shoulders? <laughs> yep, that's, that, I'm holding no. that place up. Man, and you've been in, involved in, um, in coaching wrestling for, like you said, it's been, what, six, six years now? Just about what? four. Way, way five. longer than that, Jude. I coached you 10 years ago, pal. Dude, it's so, been a very long time. Well, put it this way. I started wrestling when I was five. You know, I'm 35 and a half now. Mm-hmm. So I've been, I've been involved with this sport for 30 years. And I started coaching when I had my own kids programs. I've always helped out coaching with clinics and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I was actually running the state college youth program 10 years ago while I was still competing. 
and that's when I first met you and, and your dad and, and brother and stuff. Yeah, you know, whole ten, years clan. <laughs> ten, ten years later, we're doing podcasts because they didn't even exist back then. Right, <laughs> it's pretty special. And so, so you've been around coaching a long time. I mean, like you said, mm-hmm. like just be, being around it. So, um, I mean, you're an observant guy. You've seen you've seen the right way to do it. You know, you've been in one of the the best college rooms in the country and and been around some of the best coaches in the in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, Very fortunate. Also, you know, you've been to crazy youth tournaments where you have dads, you know, losing their minds in the corners and, and screaming and all sorts of stuff. Uh, man, what are some things you've noticed about, about coaching at, you know, that, you know, youth high school level, um, yeah. some do's and don'ts and, and some successful tips maybe? Well, let's, let's start with practice, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm glad you said that, uh, you know, you, you brought up the environment that I'm in, you know, and I'm being influenced by um, one of the best coaching staffs in the world. And it's kind of cool because I am very, I, I try to sit back and I learn as much as possible. And, and I sit there and I watch, uh, let's talk about practice, right? So imagine this scenario. You have a kid who's very energetic. He's in practice. He's not listening. Mm-hmm. Um, he's jumping up and down. You're constantly telling him all this stuff and he's just not really able to follow the rules. And that's how kids work sometimes, mm-hmm. right? Some kids just, just are, I mean, I was a ants in your pants kind of kid. I couldn't stop moving. And, and so, and I get that, but what happens is these kids are doing these behaviors in practice like that. Um, and then parents are taking them, are allowing them to go to these tournaments and these kids are like, you know, placing in the tournament and everything like that. And they're having fun, mm. right? They're winning these tournaments. They're getting medals. And, and it's always fun to do that stuff and, and stand on the podium. But what the, what, what the parents aren't recognizing is, you know, this kid's behavior, you're allowing this kid to uh, not pay attention um, and just kind of be silly and disruptive. And then you're saying by taking them to this tournament and letting them wrestle in it, whether they place or not, you're saying, hey, it's okay to do that in practice. Right. You know, and, and I think, uh, you know, we just need to kind of slow down and focus. I think parents need to focus on practice a little bit, a little bit more. You know, because, you know, if the kid's winning every tournament, but he's not paying attention in practice, well, you're, you're reinforcing that habit, you know, and you want that kid to pay attention. So what do you do? Hey, son or daughter, when, when you're in practice, you really need to pay attention. Okay. Okay. Mom or dad. And so the next practice, he doesn't do it. Okay. Mom and dad, or, or mom and dad brings it back up. Okay. You know, son, we talked about this or daughter, um, you need to pay attention in practice. He says, Okay. Um, or they say, okay, and, and it doesn't happen, but then they take them to a tournament and they win the tournament and they're like, well, I don't have to pay attention in practice. Right. And so, you know, what the parents should do is say, Hey, you're not going to wrestle in, in a tournament until, you know, you start listening to the coaches and you're paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. Don't reward the behavior. Right. And, and that happens a lot. And because, you know, parents want these, and parents want these kids to have matches and they want, they want them to have success. And I understand that, but I believe you're going to have more success if you have a successful practice first. So, and then when you communicate with your kid, this is another thing, Jude, uh, when you communicate with your kid, you know, we get parents that are sitting there and they're like, Oh, I like to go to this, this place to wrestle. They have a lot of hammers for partners. Mm. And you hear this all the time. Oh, he's wrestling with so-and-so down here at, at this place. And, uh, you know, these are just really good partners. They really battle. And I brought this up in our, in our senior level class uh, right. with, in front of you guys. And I said, well, does a partner really matter? 
if you're not staying in your stance or if you're not trying the moves you're learning in practice, um, if you're not paying attention, does it matter who you're wrestling? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so either. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if you're wrestling the best kid in the state or the worst kid in the state. If you're not, if you're not following practice, uh, proper practice protocol, well, then you're not going to get better. Mm. And, and I think that's one of the things that parents got to realize is it doesn't matter who you're wrestling. It's up to your kid to hold themselves accountable and get a good practice. Mm. How so, can you, uh, you know, one of the things is, like you said, these are kids, right? Mm-hmm. And, and oftentimes kids lack, um, not even oftentimes, like most of the time, kids lack self-motivation. Um, how can you as you as the coach or um, a, you as the, the parent of one of these hyper kids, uh, how can you, you motivate them or, or give them the tools to, um, to seek out these sorts of like, you know, yeah. the, the stuff we're looking for, you know, like you said, like staying in your stance, proper drilling habits, staying focused. This stuff is, um, it's hard to, to do naturally. Because naturally, humans don't want to, you know, we don't want to work hard. We don't want to stay in good position and things like that. We kind of want to, you know, be lazy and do our own thing. Um, yeah. So, so as, the, as the coach, as the parent, what tools can you give your child to do this? Well, as a, as a coach, from a coach, coaching's perspective, and what's awesome too is, you know, Jude, you come and help out with our elementary program. Mm-hmm. So you see me do this, mm-hmm. um, is I, I'm talking about it constantly. Mm-hmm. I'm bringing it up constantly, how to drill correctly. And, and I will stop practice and I will remind <laughs> these kids how to do it. And I just, and, and, I'm, and I'm trying to mentally, gently, but sometimes firmly beat it into their heads that this is what we have to do. And it's like you said, and I, and I know they're little kids and sometimes you have to lower your expectations, but I would drive myself crazy if I didn't try. Right. So, and that's the kind of, um, that's the kind of things that I think, um, that for me, I, I can focus on is just the constant uh, repetition, the mental rep- repetition of me saying it over and over again. Mm-hmm. Eventually, it's going to stick. Dude, it might take three years for this six-year-old to figure it out. But mm-hmm. when they figure it out, when they're nine, they're going to just take off. Right. And then from a parent's perspective, and, and this is something I think we need to do a better job of educating our parents. What should the parents be looking for when their kids are at practice? You know how the dads are over there or, or the moms? And they're over there like judging their kids on whether they're winning or losing in the go. Mm-hmm. And I don't, think they, I don't think that's something that we need to focus on. We need to focus on their effort, right? If your right. kid's getting, getting his butt kicked, are they getting up right away and just getting back in there and throwing themselves in the mix? I mean, that's something to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, parents need to focus on, is my kid, is my kid uh, paying attention? Are they doing what the coach is asking? You know, so if the coach asks, hey, when you finish your double leg, we're going to break this person down and throw a half Nelson. Is my kid doing that? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is my kid doing the moves that they learned in practice that day or ever in any practice? Are they, are they trying those moves when we do these live situations or are they trying to do the crazy moves they learned on flow? Right. You know, and, and, I, and I think there's a time and place for the stuff that you do, that you do see, the technique that you do see on, on these websites. But, you know, there's so much focusing on winning and losing that I believe if you stick to what we're, we're coaching, you're going to increase your chance compared to something that some crazy move you've learned on the internet. Right. Um, 
And I think that goes for the parents too. They need to realize that too, that if they are going to enforce technique, even though they're parents, uh, they're not necessarily um, coaches. I mean, some have wrestling backgrounds and things like that, but they are at the end of the day parents. They should be enforcing these habits like I talked about. And if they are enforcing um, any sort of extra technique, it needs to be on the same page as the coach. Because, you know, if we teach something like, uh, you know, we're, we're always shooting from the inside tie and the parent goes and shows a move that's going to counteract that, now the kid's going to be super confused. I'm supposed right. to listen to dad or mom. I'm supposed to listen to coach. Now I'm doing both. Yeah. And especially so, at like – was I that mean, a clear was that a clear tangent? No, I I, I think that's right. I think you're you're absolutely correct. And like that's that was kind of what I was going for is like um it's almost like can we give a seminar to, to parents that oh, help them, you know. We can. We can and we will. And I'm still I I'm glad I'm using this podcast as kind of my my uh jump off point because I'm still trying to convey I want to figure out all the information and how to convey it to these parents mm -hmm. and then eventually I mean at least for my club um and I mean if any parent wanted to pick my brain I'd tell them but I know for for our club M2 um you know I would eventually have a talk with these parents and just kind of and have these expectations for them to to you know what what to look for mm -hmm. so and and it's not about winning or losing either and I think I, I learned this from the coaching staff here you know they they have an expectation on effort, and that's what you need to be paying attention to. You know the effort of your of your kid. Man, and um, and that's one of the cool things about coaching is if you're with the kids for a long period of time, you can you know when they're putting in effort. You know when they're they're putting in that, um, that yeah cool thing. Absolutely, absolutely. Hmm. Uh, but no one ever said it was easy, right? Like no one ever said like for these for these parents and stuff like. Nobody wants to be the crazy parent. Nobody wants no. to be the, the dude in the corner who's screaming all sorts of wild things and making your kid cry and, and whatever. Um, so, uh, you know, what can you say? I, Cause that's, that's, you know, that's how kids, that's how coaching is done. Primarily it's, it's through talking, right? Yeah. Tell yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. What can you, what can you do verbally to, uh, to help your, your kid, you know, maybe in the heat of a competition, in the heat of the moment, uh, what, yeah. can you, what can you say to help them stay focused in order? Well, let's, let's talk about what not to say first. Oh, okay. All right, what okay. not to say. Let, how about this? Shoot! You gotta <laughs> shoot! Right? And, and you know, it, and it might be a short time situation that your, you know, your kid needs to score. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's the 20 seconds left. And as a parent or coach, you're yelling, shoot! Right. And, and, uh, and, and the kid, what ends up happening is the kid panics and they, they dive in there and then they give up a go behind because they were trying to do their best to listen to the coaches. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and, and, and I think in that particular situation, and we, we haven't done this in practice in a while, and it actually makes me think about maybe I will uh, do it soon, is, you know, that starts in practice. You got you to gotta prepare, you gotta prepare uh, in practice for short term, short time uh, when you're down by points, mm -hmm. right? And then, and then as a parent or coach, Maybe that's something you can talk about on the way to the tournament. Like, hey, you know, little Johnny, um, if you're down by a point with 20 seconds left, your high crotch is really awesome. I think you should get to that inside tie and hit your high crotch, right? And then when right. you're in that situation and there's 20 seconds left, you calmly say and instruct your wrestler to go, hey, look for your high crotch. 
You know, you're not going, shoot, you gotta shoot, you gotta do it. Because then the oh, other kid knows. That. The other kid knows. He's like, oh, I Clue. bet he's going to shoot. I bet he's well, going to shoot. Well, other, and the other kid knows he's, he's winning too. Right. So he's not, he's not going to be aggressive or they're not right. going to be aggressive. So it's just kind of funny. Um, and then, like, you know, another one's, uh, you know, I love, I love this one, Jude. When, when, when parents are like, hey, you know, off the whistle, you got you to gotta chop. You're going to chop right off the whistle. Like, hey, right hey, off the whistle. hey, off the whistle. And they whisper it. They're like, <laughs> and they do the they do the they do the hand motion chop right? right so the kid the kid makes eye contact with the coach or parent and they're like yeah chopping off the whistle <laughs> so then you chop off the whistle and then you hear this after after they're doing it the kid on bottom scrambling around you go under the arms <laughs> you gotta be under the arms and and then I'm, I'm over there watching this happen and i'm like bro you just told the kid to, to off the whistle do something that has them over the arms Right, your, t- your, your conflicting technique, you know, you got to coach them <laughs> through it. If you want them under the arms, you should do that right off the whistle, you know, right. or you should say, hey, it, when you chop, you're trying to get that cross wrist. And if you don't get it, let's go back under the arms and go to plan B. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of funny how parents get excited and they yell that kind of stuff. Man. Um, what's some other ones? Do you have any? I like the ones where, where when they scream, run it, run it, run it. Or yeah. like, um, yeah. that's, that's what ah, coach David had tweet about it, tweeted about that. He was like, attention, all coaches, parents screaming, run it doesn't actually increase the moves chances of, of working. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Run I mean, hey, we're, 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 we're in hand to hand combat mm-hmm. and, and, uh, you know, the kids that usually participate in this sport for the most part, understand that. So when they do get a, a hold, they, they should know to do it. And again, that's preparation and practice, you know, right. You know, you need it or leading up to the match. If you have a kid who sometimes locks up a half Nelson and just holds on to it, you know, that's something that needs to be addressed before, before the match. Right. You know, and then you don't need to sit there and, and, and scream it during a match. You know, you prep them before that. And then, you know, if they're not running the half, which most kids are going to do it, mm-hmm. you know, you just, you might have to say, Hey, and instead of telling them run it, tell them how to improve their half, you know, slide your elbow forward, uh, start to take their arm up over their head a little bit. You don't just sit there and yell, run it, because right. if they don't have the proper technique to begin with, then you're just going to try to run a bad move, mm-hmm. you know? So, and then how about this? This is one thing um, I like when, when coaches are like, hey, you got to keep wrestling here. Yep, wrestle here. That, that, was, <laughs> that, was another, that was another Twitter Twitter one, I think uh, some people were talking about it. Wrestle here. You know, I, I, I look and you have, I gave you all my matches that, yep. um, I gave you all my matches uh, to put on a hard drive for me because uh, when it comes to technology, um, I'm a little near, I'm a little <laughs> nearsighted and, and, <laughs> and I'm just not savvy at all. And so, you know, I enlist the help of, you know, techie guys like yourself. Thank you. But if you, if you, I mean, you watch some of these scrambles that I'm getting right. and, they, and they're just wild. And I got, I got coaches in the corner and then, I mean, I know they're excited and we were in the NCAA tournament, but they're yelling, wrestle here, wrestle here. Well, Jude, you know me, I'm a competitor. Yeah, what else are you going to do? <laughs> I'm not going to put my head down and concede a takedown or a reversal. Right. Um, so, and then when, when you, when you're yelling like that, I mean, think about the stressful situation that you're in. You're already in a crazy scramble. Right. And, and I mean, every point matters at the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, and this goes for 
youth tournaments. This applies here, youth tournaments and high school tournaments, whether they're big or small. And they're yelling these things excessively uh, at the at the volume and, and and what comes with that is is stress, right? Mm -hmm. So you might be you might be like in a crazy scramble and you start hearing this this yelling from the uh, from the corner, and you know you might be focusing on that instead of focusing on what you're doing out there. Right. And I think these I think coaches have to understand that these kids are competitors. They're gonna try. They're gonna wrestle through through the positions. Mm -hmm. And they're not going to concede that takedown or that reversal or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And they got to accept that. And I, again, this starts, this comes from the practice room and, and this is where our club really gained ground on other clubs is we wrestle through every position. I mean, you're mm -hmm. one of the best at it. And, and, um, I mean, that's just, that's conveyed in practice. And if it needs, if you have a wrestler who has, a, has sometimes give up in a certain position, you know, or if, if a parent wants to talk to their kid about it, Hey, you know, every time you get to, Every time somebody's in on a, on a single leg, you know, you kind of relax. Well, let's, let's stay focused. You know, mm -hmm. let's stay focused. And then if you're in the match, just say, hey, you know, V's on knees. Let's, let's continue to sprawl. Arch your hips in there. You know, you're not yelling, wrestle here. Let's go sprawl. You're, you're guiding them through the position. Right. And like off and it's, technique, and, right? And, and I get it. You know, it's easy for me and you to sit here and talk about this. You know, we're, mm -hmm. we're students of our sports. And I, uh, I've been coaching and involved with wrestling again for 30 years. And, and it's easy for us to sit here and understand that. So what I want to communicate to these parents that, you know, think they're yelling the right thing and they're yelling these stressful things, um, they need, what, what they need to do is just, just kind of stop. Mm. And, and if, you, if you don't know how to help the situation, just don't say anything at all. Or how about, hey, great job, hang on here. And just, that's it. You don't sit there and say, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. You say, hey, right. great job. Way to wrestle. Good job. And you just re reinforce it with a positive uh, remark, you know, mm. and, and reward them with a positive thing. If they give up a take, you know, think about this, uh, and we'll take it down to like a lower level. You got that kid that gets pinned every match, hmm. you know. He gets pinned every match. And you have these kids. It takes a while for some to develop that killer instinct and not want to go to their back. And, and, uh, you, and, but you, you have that kid who goes to his back and he bites off his back. You know, hey, great job fighting off your back. Let's go build a base. And you're encouraging him to, to do these things out there. You know, or he survives the period. Hey, great job. Keep it up. Let's, let's get to our shot. You know, off the whistle. We're going to go neutral. You're going to get to that shot. And mm -hmm. you just kind of try to guide these, these, these kids and, and uh, wrestlers in a, in a positive way. And uh, if you don't have, if you can't think of anything to say and improve on the technique and in the position, you know, either say something positive or just don't say anything at all. You know, mm -hmm. you got these, some of these crazy parents and coaches that are just screaming from the corner and they lose their, their voice on the first, first day right. of the tournament. And it's, right. it's just like, I mean, I know you're enthusiastic and you want everybody to win, but I mean, how much are you helping just screaming your head off like that? So, mm -hmm. I don't know. I had crazy parents that screamed a lot. Right. So, right. and that's just kind of it. And that, it comes with the territory. And I don't think anybody's told, told, told my parents how to, how to act properly. Hmm. And again, this is something that we uh, are going to hopefully address in the, and, uh, you know, as I continue to talk to parents in our club, you know, we're going to talk about what to yell because me, me and coach Dave and coach Eric are all a little busy. You know, we are <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> you know, and, and sometimes we can't make it to these tournaments and, mm -hmm. and these dole meets. And, um, you know, we want to, we want to make sure that the parents know what's up, how the, the level of expectation that we want to have them, you know, talk and how to coach their kids. Hmm. So, 
And it's just, it's fascinating. Again, Jude, I'm working on how I, all the verbiage of how I want to, how I want to say to it. I'm using this podcast as, as one of the, this is one of the first times I'm, I'm vocalizing it. You know, hopefully I'm doing okay. You're doing um, excellent. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool to kind of figure this all stuff out. And then I'm going to hopefully educate, you know, future parents, wrestlers and coaches. Mm. So. Coach, I, I just, here's an interesting question. So, like I said, you've been around this, you, you've been around the sport for 30 years, you know, long, mm-hmm. long time. Um, you know, and, and like, you, like I said, you've been around these head coaches and whatnot. Have you, uh, what kind of interactions have you had with any, like, I mean, head coaches, big, big names? Uh, there's two stories that, that kind of stand out and, uh, and uh, we'll get to those in one second. But you know what's kind of cool? I was thinking about Jude, and I was trying to – I didn't have time to really figure it all out. But I competed against a lot of – like I actually physically wrestled against a lot of head coaches that are current coaches right now. Yeah. Um, you know, Angel Escobedo's down in mm-hmm. Indiana. Joe Dubuque's in Princeton. Um, you know, Sanders in Minnesota. He might be RTC. I, I'm so bad at this stuff. But, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, either, either way, man, he's a good coach and a good wrestler. Um, and the list goes on, you know, and I've competed against some of the current, I've competed against some of the current coaches that are, are coaching now mm. too. So I got, I got like, I wrestled against some of these guys, uh, like physically in a match. And then I also wrestled against them from, from the, you know, they were coaching against me. And that right. includes the, the three coaches from, from Penn State too. Like really? Casey, Casey coached against me when he was at Michigan and I believe Iowa state, Whoa. Central, Michigan, Central Michigan, sorry. And Iowa state and, uh, coach kale and coach Cody both, um, coached against me when I was at, uh, when they were at Iowa state too. No so way. That's kind of, that's kind of cool. One of these days, maybe you can help me cause you're, you're a lot better at this stuff than me. We'll figure out how many, how many opponents I've had, you know, throughout um, yeah. the, well, there was one throughout I, it. Nick Nickerson's another one. I wrestled Troy. Right. Uh, you know, he's coaching for Colorado out there, doing a great job. So it's kind of cool. I noticed this. I think it was uh, in the one of the videos you sent me, Eric uh, Moore Morell. Yeah, Eric Morell. Yeah, yeah. From uh, yeah. and he's at Bucknell right now, right? He's at Bucknell. Yeah, great competitor, man. I, I dude. So like, I watched. Uh, if you watch those matches, right? I wrestle. Mm-hmm. I wrestle Eric several times, and the first time. You know, uh, I just kind of took it to him, and I was all over him. And he didn't have an answer for me. And then we wrestled in the, like the duels, uh, the the national duels, I think. And it, the match was a little bit closer. And then we wrestled at the NCAA tournament, and that dude like turned it on, man. Like yeah. he wanted to win, and it just says a lot about him as a competitor. Like he he was, and it was it, I was I never thought about it until I watched these matches, and like mm-hmm. that last match was really close. Mm-hmm. And you know, I and and. You know, it just says a lot about him and, and some of these guys that I've wrestled that they wanted to win. They wanted to beat me. Right. And, you know, and, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to, to wrestle them because they, they made me better. Mm. So it was just kind of cool perspective from there. Um, so, but speaking of NCAAs, so 2008, um, I was voted in. I was an unseated wild card. I had a, just a, an up and down roller coaster uh, season. You know, I beat some ranked guys and I lost a lot of unranked guys. And I ended up, uh, Go ahead. What do you what do you attribute to that? Uh, that's a story in itself for another time, Jude. I just I wasn't. Let's just say I wasn't as uh, focused on what I wanted at the time, mm. and and so you know that kind of led led me astray, and I just wasn't able to really sit down and set my sights on on 
you know, accomplishing some, some goals. So, um, that's, like I said, a, a story for another time. And, and, uh, you know, but I, I was able, I had a, uh, just a not so good big 10 tournament mm. and, and I ended up not qualifying for the NCAA tournament. And back then they didn't have the RPI or ever how that works nowadays. I don't even know what that means, Yeah, but, um, okay. I'm sure, I'm sure you do. It's pretty and complicated. It is so complicated. That's why I don't even want to think don't, about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not worried about it. But what they had was they had wild cards. Right. And each each the Big Ten coaches would would vote. And uh, you know, I I was a three time NCAA qualifier at that point. I lost twice in the All American round. You know, and uh, you know, again. So the coaches, the Big Ten coaches, voted me in as a as a wild card. So I make it. I get a bid to the NCAA tournament, and I get there and. I have no idea who I'm wrestling. I show up to the NCAA tournament and I'm like, I'm not even looking at the bracket. I don't care. I told the coaches, don't tell me. I told the, the teammates of mine to not tell me who I'm wrestling. Um, so we weigh in the first day of NCAAs on that Thursday and we're set up in this locker room. You know, when you, when you show up at the, at the arena, you know, you're out there scouting space. You want the, you want the prime right. real estate to set up your, 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 your recovery station you know uh your your book bags all that stuff your your workouts your workout gear so you know we got we got this locker room i think we're posted up in there with oklahoma oklahoma state mm -hmm. so oklahoma state and we're there and like i i i eat my 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 pre-meal uh or pre-competition meal i can't even tell you what it is anymore <laughs> uh, i i lay down for a little bit and then you know x amount of time before I wrestle my first match. I get up and I warm up. Mm -hmm. And so I, I go through my warm up and, and I go, I go to the bathroom. I go back in the locker room and I think coach Guerrero was back there and, uh, we go in and I'm, I'm using, I'm, I'm using the urinal. He's using the one next to me and there's just like awkwardness and, uh, and, and I don't know why. And, and so I don't think anything of it. I wash my hands. I, I get out of there and now I'm in the tunnel and I'm, right. I'm getting ready to warm up. And there, there's the Okie state squad. Uh, their guys warming up. It was uh, Shin, mm -hmm. Travis or Trevor. I'm I'm sorry, Shin. I I, I can't remember your first name. I apologize. <laughs> um, and and um, so uh, I'm sitting there, and their guys warming up, and and then John Smith is just staring at me. Oh boy! Like this 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 blank stare, and I'm like, dude, what's this guy doing? Like, <laughs> why is he, I, why, give me I, your eyeballs. I have your singlet. I wore your singlet when I was like six years old when you were winning <laughs> national champions in the early nineties or winning world championships in, in the early nineties. I'm like, why is this guy eyeball me like this? Like he's mm -hmm. just a blank stare. Right. And I'm, I'm going through my warm up. I got my headphones on and, and uh, I'm in the tunnel. Like I said, I'm waiting to get my mad assignment. And, and still again, Smith coach Smith is just staring. That's and staring. I don't know what, I don't know what's going on. And I'm like, okay, you know, and, and coach Carrero's, you know, talking to his guy, hyping his guy up, getting him ready to go. And then they, they make the announcement, you know, uh, Mark McKnight and, and, and Shin of Okie state, you know, you're now on Matt, whatever one. And it's Tyler like, Shin, Tyler Shin. I'm sorry, Tyler. <laughs> uh, great, great competitor, man. That was a heck of a match too. And, um, so he was, he was staring at me. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what's going on? And then I find out that's why, you know, I was wrestling Shin the first, the first right. round <laughs> and, and I'm like, okay, so that was kind of it. Maybe it was intimidation. Maybe he was trying to figure me out. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so earlier that year, Penn state was ranked 
third in the country. Right. And, and Okie State was ranked second. We traveled to Oklahoma mm-hmm. to, to wrestle these guys. Um, and, you know, that was a big, big match. Okay. Mm-hmm. Th- third, third place team versus second place team. And, and uh, there's a snowstorm, which mm-hmm. like, they get an inch of snow and nobody drives in Oklahoma in an inch of snow. Uh, everybody knows that. So, you know, what's it, Gallagher Arena or something? Mm-hmm. Gallagher Arena. Um, yeah, you know what's up. Um, so we show up, and the stands are like, there's not that many people. You know, that place would have been rocking. Right. And uh, we, show, we show up to wrestle, and it's, it's kind of like it's just a, a mediocre crowd. And, you know, first match, I'm wrestling their other starter. They had another guy, uh, Ashmore, and he's right. – we're, we're, we're tied, uh, going into the third and, uh, but he has riding time. Mm-hmm. So we're in this crazy scramble short time. The ref, ref the referee stops it with four seconds left. He calls a stalemate in this scramble. So we come up to our feet and I don't know. I don't know what happened. I just, I posted my hand. He grabbed my wrist. I wrist rolled. I ducked. I took him down with four seconds left to win, to win that match. Oh boy! And that was a huge team swing mm. because we yeah, didn't six win. points, right? Uh, that yeah. I mean, we got three for us. I mean, they had that match locked up, and here I am. I pulled this miracle duck out of my back pocket, <laughs> and uh, you know, so the Okie State coaching staff probably didn't have the the best taste in their mouths uh, <laughs> after after I did that. Oh man! And, and then and they probably we went weren't- on. We went on to win the duel, and we picked up some big bonus points from some of our uh, some of our studs like uh, Bubba Jenkins and mm-hmm. Phil Davis. Both picked up bonus points. Uh, we had a couple. We had a couple guys. I can't remember the match details as well. We had a couple. I do remember a couple of our guys were battling um, and uh, not giving up bonus points. Like they, like mm-hmm. we had a couple starters out, and we we found a way to win that duel. It was awesome. You know, That's I awesome. wish I wish I wish that arena would have been a little more. Uh, rocking but i still i still got a feel for that arena they put this big giant pad behind the the uh the visitors uh bench mm-hmm. uh and then when there's 10 seconds left they take this giant paddle and they just beat this pad 10 9 8 it is so obnoxious <laughs> it is slightly intimidating and uh at one point i took the paddle and was beating it just joking with the with the students that were using it uh yeah so that was a great memory <laughs> and you know what I asked Coleman Scott about that. I told him, I told him my story, you know, Coleman, obviously a great competitor for Oklahoma state, mm-hmm. uh, now coach at Northwest, uh, North Carolina. Hey, who I competed against in my childhood. Yeah. Um, many times, many times. We've been, <laughs> listen, listen to the old podcast. You'll hear me talk about Coleman a bunch, but, uh, I asked him, I said, what was Smith doing? He goes, you know what, Mark? He does that every once in a while. He'll get that far off stare. And there's a chance he wasn't even thinking about you. that dude has has so much running around in his mind so Mm -hmm. it was just kind of interesting that i got you know coleman's perspective on it too so that's awesome wow that's that's pretty crazy that was your run-in with with john smith ncaa's 2008 Um, yeah and i just pulled up the bracket here really quick and excuse me if we yeah i did and on a little tangent so so coach you um you lost charlie falk second match right yeah yeah. And then you come back and you beat him in the Concy semis, right? Yes. What, uh, do you remember what adjustments you made between those matches? Um, that's a great question, Jude. Um, dude, that was an eye-opening experience, like what I was able to pull off at NCAAs. You know, I came from an unseeded 
position and I kind of ran the gauntlet and I took, uh, I I took fourth. Right. And, and I will say this, my teammates, you know, remember how I told them I didn't want to know who I'm wrestling. Right. Well, they, they informed me after they were like, you don't want to know. Oh, and then they told me, (laughs) I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you who they were, but they were so, (laughs) they were so nice enough to inform me of my next match. And then what happened? I ended up losing. Right. And then I got mad at them and I told them, stop it. So, you know, and Charlie had beaten me several times. I beat me in the, I think the dole meet that year, uh, maybe one other time. I mean, he, he was just an awesome hand fighter. He had a great Mm. head inside, right-handed head inside single, which, uh, you know, was to my left lead leg. So, you know, he was really strong and able to pull it in, but I I caught him, I caught him in that Concy's match. And, you know, that was the third day of weigh-ins. And like you said it, he, he was pretty jacked up. Right. And I've, I've wrestled him before. And I, I just was on fire, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mindset, too, when I dropped down into the loser's bracket before I get to, to that match with Charlie, um, I just started thinking about it. And I'll never forget this. On the second day of uh, NCAAs, I was jogging around the, and warming up around the yeah. arena. And it, it stopped and hit me. I stopped. I remember looking around. There's the lights. There's all these wrestlers running around. And it all turns into a blur. And I realized that I could never be a national champion in wrestling. Like mm-hmm. right then and there, that hit me right in the face. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I took that and I said, you know what? This is no longer about me. My team is good enough to win this national championship this year. You know, we got a shot at at least place in top three. We have a long shot of winning. I mean, I was just stacked that year, um, but we, we could do that. And I, and I made it about the team and mm-hmm. I started wrestling for them and I forgot about everything else. Mm-hmm. And I just went out there and let it rip, let it fly. And, you know, that's why I was able to do uh, a shin wizard tilt to Charlie Falk. I had never hit that move in my entire life. And then I, pu- I pull it off in the concise match against somebody right. I've never beaten, oh, you know? Man. So, you know, that's just with that mindset. I just didn't care. I was, I was doing it for my, for my squad. And, mm-hmm. and I think that that carried me, you know, a long ways in that, in that tournament. Uh, funny story about the shin wizard tilt. I got hit in that in 2001 at uh, <laughs> PIAA state finals by a guy named uh, Jones. And uh, he's the one that they nicknamed it off of Jonesy, the Jonesy tilt. And then I learned it from Matt Storniolo because he kind of uh-huh. trained out of that same club out east in Pennsylvania, head coach in Northwestern. He shows me what happened to me. I learn it. Seven years later, I use it for the first Comes time. Comes back full circle. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, it's so it's funny wild. How that, it's so funny how that works. Yeah, that no, that whole tournament. So, for those who don't know, Coach, Coach Mark gave me a whole bunch, like maybe five or six of his old wrestling DVDs of footage of when he was in college. It was from that 2008, 2000, uh, yeah, 2007-2008 season um, with the purpose of putting them all on digital. So, I spent the whole day last, whatever, Friday, and just spent the whole day put them onto my computer and I watched all the matches. Um, and that tournament, like there's, I want to say it's your, your, the match after the blood round. Um, and yeah. I think it's sudden victory. Uh, I can't remember exactly who, but there you were like, so dead James, to right taken down. J- James Nicholson. Yeah. So dead to right taken down. So you were so, so toast and you just keep wrestling, man. Like, I don't know. Maybe we'll release some of this this footage. It's yeah, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, um, we should we should definitely, especially now that we're talking about it. Crazy story about that, James uh-huh. Nicholson, right? Um, so uh, we we met after the blood round, um, and and this is like several years later. I'm down at Old Dominion, 
Again, mm-hmm. Matt Storniolo was an assistant coach down there. That's where he, that's where he got his foot in the door coaching uh, before he went to Northwestern. And I'm down there visiting him. So me and Nichols, uh, Nicholson work out. Whoa. Right. And we're, we're working out and he was teaching like a clinic or something. And I went to help him mm-hmm. and he, he was showing that same position that we were in where he had to go behind. And he said, guys, when you do this, go behind, you always want to grab this leg. Right. Don't ever go around the waist. He's like, I learned a hard lesson. <laughs> point, he points to me at the NCAA tournament because of this guy. Cause I made the one time I went around the waist, it cost me a match. Oh my and gosh. I, it was so wild that I was there and he, you know, Right. I actually, I ran into him last year coaching at the uh, schoolboy national duels for Team PA. No he's way. Down in, he's down in Alabama making things happen. So, wow. yeah, that's crazy. Shout out, shout out James Nichols. Nicholson. So now, so now we know you don't go around the waist on your go behinds, far yeah. ankle or near hamstring, but not around the there waist. There you go. There you Man. go. Ah, coach, you have any? Uh, you have any other stories for us? Any other run-ins with head coaches? Uh, I got, I got plenty. Let's, let's go with, uh, let's go with 2016. Uh, the setting is the training center, the USA training center down in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil for the Olympics, Mm, summer Olympics. Olympics. And, uh, me and, me and coach kale flew down and, uh, you know, we were there, we had our guy, Frank Molinero down there representing United States and Nitty Lion wrestling club. And, uh, you know, me and me and Frank worked out a lot that year, and uh, I don't think I've been slammed so many times uh, <laughs> in my in my life. What was the size uh, difference between you two? Oh, easily. Well, he was making sixty five, so I would say fifteen, fifteen to I would say fifteen pounds of just solid man muscle. Yeah, he's like like Frank the Tank shred- for a reason, right? <laughs> absolutely shredded, and uh, you know he was working on this technique that involved me getting slammed a lot. <laughs> um, def- definitely slammed me the hardest I've ever been slammed in my life. But me, me and coach, me and coach Kale are down there. And, um, this is, this was a wild, wild morning. So the United States training center where the, at least most of the wrestlers were staying was, was offsite, you know, the USA, re- USA wrestling and some of the other combat sports had this little offsite facility that was kind of really close to, to the Olympic village and then the actual like, uh, arenas and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so, uh, it was the first day of the men's wrestling, I believe. First day of men's wrestling. I, I get everything confused. I'm sorry. But I get a call at 6.30 in the morning. I had missed a call from an Iowa number. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, weird. And then I get a call from uh, Cody Sanderson. He's like, McKnight, what are you doing? I'm like, coach, I just got up at 6.30 in the morning. Right. Like, what's up? He's like, hey, can you wrestle with Daniel Dennis? I'm like, whatever you need, right? Go USA. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened was Spencer Lee was out there, um, training and he just, he got sick. I mean, that stuff happens when you're overseas, right. uh, you could eat something weird, uh, water, you drink the wrong water or whatever. So he wasn't feeling well. And they're like, Hey, we need you to warm up Daniel Dennis. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right. So I, I wake up, I pack my bag. Uh, I, I chug some iced tea cause that was my, my caffeine intake. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have a coffee maker. And, and so I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm sitting there waiting for Coach Brands to call me and say, hey, here's what we're going to do. Here's the plan. Um, so he calls me. He's like, Mark, we're going to figure it out. We're going to get you Spencer's credentials. We're going to find a way to get you into the arena. They're going to warm up uh, Daniel Dennis. I said, okay. And I'm, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And then as time goes on, I get a call back. And he said, hey, you know, Mark, 
uh, Coach Brands calls me. He's like, hey, Mark, um, I don't need you. Spencer's feeling a little bit better. He's going to go there and, and help Daniel out and be his mm -hmm. workout partner. I said, awesome, Coach. You know, whatever you need, guys. So I kind of hang out, and I'm waiting for uh, Coach Kale to wake up, and then we're going to go, and we're going to work out with Frank um, at that alternative site. Me and, me and Coach Kale were staying at another location. So we get there, and we go through practice. And we're hanging out. The food was incredible. They brought the Olympic Training Center staff there from Colorado Springs to cook for us. And, nice. you know, they were, they were doing a great, great job. So shout out to them. And we're sitting there, and Coach Kale's playing Clash of the Clans. And, uh, you know, I'm sun tanning after practice with, with Frank. We eat. We're hanging out. And, you know, Daniel Dennis loses first round, and then the guy who lose, uh, lost his next match. So, you know, that gets Daniel out. You know, no chance at Repijah. So we're sitting there, and, and me and me – and, or he – Brands comes back and, you know, he has this bag and he's just, you know, he's kind of just bummed out, you know, respectfully so. And, uh, me and, me and Kale had this plan that we were going to scale this mountain that mm -hmm. that's over overlooking the, uh, the training facility. And so we're sitting there and he's like, yeah, like we're, we're communicating, like we're almost ready to go. And then out of nowhere, Kale's like, Hey, uh, Hey, uh, Brands, you want to climb this mountain with me and McKnight? And he just goes, yep. <laughs> let, me, let, me grab, let me grab something to eat and change my clothes. So he goes and, and eats something real quick. And uh, he, he, he said, meet me in the dormitory. I'm going to go change my clothes. So we, uh, we go into the dorm and he goes, hey, McKnight, you're going to climb that mountain in shorts? And I'm like, yeah, why not? He's like, I wouldn't do that. Here's some sweatpants. <laughs> so he gives me these per pair of burned sweatpants. I put them on and uh, he's bundled up. He's got long sleeves and everything on. I think Coach Kale had a long sleeve shirt on and, and uh, uh, he had shorts on. Was but it hot like, outside or was it? It was very humid. You know, nice. South, South America, it's, it's pretty humid um, and it's a rainforest. Right. So we started up this mountain and, and our goal was to make it to this uh, cliff face and try to go up as high as we can. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I'm in the woods all the time here in Pennsylvania trying to kill Bambi and, and everything. <laughs> and, and so, you know, I'm no stranger to the woods. But, dude, we're in, we're in a South American country, and it's a tropical rainforest. Right. And I'm not used to these plants, animals, and everything. And mm -hmm. so – and then the other thing is, it like, it looked like it was kind of like – it wasn't that steep, but then you actually get underneath the canopy, and there's, like, these, like, cliff faces, and we had to, like, switch back and forth, Whoa. you know. And you would think, you know, you got the head coach of a power Big Ten school for, for Iowa and the head coach of Penn State, you know, kind of rivals-ish. Um, you would say, one would say. One would say. Um, and you got me. We're all competitors. We're all in good shape. You'd, you'd think it'd be a race to get to the top of the mountain. Right. But, but, but that wasn't the case. You know, we were in unfamiliar land, un, uh, unfamiliar territory. So we were, we were watching each other's backs. And we would take turns, like, leading each other uh, on the way up. And we'd zigzag back and forth. And it was kind of cool. Like, uh, you know, I would, I would walk one way and kind of shimmy up this, like, little path. Or I'd climb mm -hmm. on some trees and uh, – a lot of these trees, because they were growing on the side of a mountain, their roots would, would hang down like 20 feet. Yeah. Like re really cool. Like you long, know, long, long. Yeah, and they're anchored into the mountain. So I'm like shimmying up them. Coach Kale's shimmying up them. Brands is coming along. And uh, we finally make it to all the way to the top as, as far as we could go. And, uh, you know, it kind of – if I, I skirted away from them. I was, I was a little bit smaller, so I was able to kind of get a little bit away. And I was taking pictures of overlooking Rio. Just beautiful, absolutely breathtaking. Right. And then uh, – we made the trek down, but one thing on the way up, I was in the lead, you know, again, it wasn't a competition. I was just kind of, you know, moving a little bit quicker mm -hmm. than the other guys. You and I come up, 
I'm nimble, exactly. I come up over this cliff, and uh, I hear this squawking, rah, this, this, this horrible noise. <laughs> and this big black ball of whatever just floats up into the air. And I'm just, I, I'm pretty sure I, I said a curse word I shouldn't. <laughs> and and, and uh, I see this bird just emerge from the ground, and it flies up into the air. And then it, it, it parks itself up to my left behind me, and it just starts yelling at us. Mm. And it was a big vulture. Whoa. And, and, you know, I'm looking at this thing, like, ready to defend myself. You know, I got a pocket knife. Let's go. And, uh, <laughs> and, it, and then I look on the ground, and there were two eggs. It was nesting its eggs on the ground, you know. And, oh. and it was just kind of cool. You don't see that That's stuff. cool. And That's super cool. So then we make our way back down, and we, we, we kind of scale and, and wrap around another way. And we try to take, like, a less steeper way down. And we just saw these big old tropical trees. I mean, they mm. had been over a hundred years old, just absolutely wild and beautiful. And, uh, you know, we make it back down and, and, uh, you know, we take that jungle selfie. I think coach Kale tweeted that BF yeah. self selfie jungle BFFs for life or something <laughs> like several years ago. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was really cool. And we made it back down and brands is like, keep those sweatpants, Mark. And I actually walked through, uh, a spider web or something. Yeah. And I got this allergic reaction on my neck and it was super, <laughs> super itchy. And I went in and I washed it off and I, I travel with all kinds of ointment creams. Just, you never know what you're going to run right, into, right. especially when you're, you know, in a tropical world and, uh, environment. And I just put some cortisone cream on it and healed up pretty quick. Oh, that's good. Um, and you I, saw and the sweatpants? Always, no, dude, they were ruined. They were like, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. You would keep them, but you know, I me, would, I'm like, I'd be, I'd they were like, they were some local. Uh, you would have got the autograph first too. <laughs> um, uh, there's some like local high schools, like you probably got like doing a clinic or something. And uh, like me and Brands go way back because when I transferred from Buffalo, uh -huh. I I went down to Virginia Tech when he was coaching down there and actually considered going going to that school when I transferred. And I actually uh -huh. I had my my mind made up almost. Well, pretty much did. And then my transcripts went through and. You know, I wasn't the studious student at, as well as I was. And when you transfer from one school to the other, uh, some schools have higher stipulations for grades. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, it just didn't work out mathematically that I, that I could make it to school there. And, you know, it would have put me back too many credits. And uh, I ended up saying, sorry, coach, this isn't going to work out. And then I ended up at Penn State. Mm -hmm. Well, isn't then, Penn State's a pretty dang, you know, the, I, at least to my pretty understanding. Good good college right and it's pretty hard to transfer into it right um, um is that yeah, difficult yes, for you at all no no yeah it, i mean i so i ended up transferring and i lost a lot of credits so i was and i was ineligible mm. um com coming in but i had a red shirt to burn you know i i just i didn't get the hang of school um mm. i had a really bad gpa the first semester and then the second semester i had a really really good one like dean's list Nice. And so, but that, but that, that first semester set me behind and I didn't understand that young college kid didn't understand how it worked. And I, I learned a hard lesson. Um, but I ended up being behind on credits. So I went to summer school at Penn state, an entire full year of, uh, catching up, um, and everything. And then I had to go to summer school again. So I oh went my to school gosh. for like, and then I was eligible and then I competed and started for them the next two years. And I mean, as I put myself yeah. in that hole, but I learned a valuable lesson, how mm. school works, you know, and hey, it, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, if I would have just got good grades and went to class a little bit more, I would have, I wouldn't right. have been in that predicament. So right. tough lesson, but I learned it. Mm. That's really interesting. And that's kind of the stuff that you don't actually like, you don't get to hear, 
right? You don't, yeah. get, you don't get to hear about different college kids, like the things that they go through. We don't get to hear the kind of stories of, you know, what's ha- going on behind the scenes with you and John Smith and, and what's going on climbing a mountain with, with Kale and Tom Brains. We don't get to hear that stuff. So yeah, um, yeah. all, all the wrestling fans sees is the, the finished product. And so it's, it's cool that you have all these stories and that you're willing to come on my, uh, my silly little podcast to talk about it but um. hey you know i i teach you that it's silly but it is silly sure i i think <laughs> you and and sam and everybody you know you guys are doing a great job you know i truly believe that you have the best intentions for for the wrestling community mm. so you know but if i don't i feel like i'm not doing my job if i'm no. not giving you a hard time <laughs> because you know what i want you to do is i want you to win out there on the wrestling mat which you know you're doing a great job of so right you know that, but I'm still going to remind you that that comes first, and you know, not putting on a head, not putting on a headset, and you know, interviewing <laughs> your your club coach, right? <laughs> and coach, something I noticed actually about this interview, I think you've called me Jude more than you ever have in my entire life, because it's yes. usually Swisher. I think you usually just call me Swisher or Swish. Yeah, well, you know, just name recognition, <laughs> name recognition. I even, you know, what's funny is I even call your your dad Swisher. Yeah. Like I'll see Brandon and I'm like, Hey, what's up Swisher? So and you, but I you mean, call, but you call Ezra, Ezra. You're like, what's up Ezra? Uh, by Ed's. default, by default, because there's two seniors over them, right? right. Your dad and, and your dad and him, Ezra is Ezra. And plus I'm not going to lie. His name is extremely unique. So, right. And I just, I really like saying it. <laughs> Every chance you get, you're going to say it. It's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Hey coach, this interviews, I think it's wrapping up here pretty cool pretty quickly um now before you go i have a couple last questions first of all mm-hmm. um you know you've already accomplished a lot in your lifetime you know ncaa all-american and coaching and all sorts of stuff um what what are some other goals you you have for your life uh, maybe like a bucket list of some kind outside of wrestling outside of wrestling well you know this one you know what i'm gonna say right mm-hmm. right off the bat what, what is it uh, no, I don't know what it is. Give it to okay. me. Okay. I'm going to shoot a deer with antlers. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, a lot the, the viewers, the viewers don't know, but coach Mark spends a lot of time in the, in the woods. A lot of he, time. He, 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 he always has mistakes that happen where like, you know, I just don't shoot deer or I miss <laughs> for just silly little things. And, uh, you know, I, I live in central Pennsylvania and I'm coaching central Pennsylvania boys who grow up with rifles in their hands, taking right. down deer. So I got, I, on, uh, on the I'm, first day of deer I'm coaching, season, I'm coaching six and seven year olds and they're talking about, they're showing me pictures of the buck they shot. And they're like, where's your buck coach Mark? And I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. You know? <laughs> How about we talk about, you got to stay in your stance and not worry about my hunting. <laughs> um, oh man. Will, so that's, that's, that's up there, man. I'm psyched too. I, I, I'm, I got a trail cam out. I'm checking pictures. Let's go. I got, doing any, I got, I got box. Let's you go. doing any extra, like you go into the range at all. Are you doing any extra shooting? Not yet. Uh, I'm going to oh. get, I'm going to get that. I'm going to get that, uh, archery going. I'm going to go over to Chad Dubin's and, and sight in my bow and, and practice from my stand and make sure I know how to get the proper angle. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot, there's a lot that goes into it. And I, I think I really done a better, better job this year more than ever of educating myself what to do because nobody taught me. Right. I had, I had one mentor that kind of showed me the ropes and then after that it's left up to me. Right. So, Cause I, I only started hunting five, five years ago. I, I love mm-hmm. the woods and I was just like, I'm doing this, you know, and my childhood, I was spent growing up in a gym, in a gymnasium competing. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, no regrets though. And, uh, you know, I, I want to circle back to, I know I said outside of, of wrestling, outside of wrestling, uh, goals, but I, I do want to say from a coaching's perspective, one of my goals that I think would be so cool is to have a kid start in my elementary program. And mm-hmm. then I get to coach them from the time they're six, seven, eight years old. Yeah. And then I can, I get to coach them all the way up, all the way up to all up to the Olympics. Right. And yeah. obviously, obviously in, in college and stuff, you hand them off and you know, you're going to hand them off to the Olympic team, but you know, I still want to be that guy that they're asking for advice. You know, hmm. I want to you know, like Jeff Buxton is a perfect example, you know, what he's able to do and how he travels. Um, you know, that's one of my goals. I want to take a six-year-old who, who came underneath my, my, our, our system, my program, um, and, and, you know, make sure they can, can achieve their goals, and I want to be right there beside them. And, you know, I have that experience, right? I'm really right. good at coaching five-year-olds, and I have that senior-level experience. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think I, it can be something that it can uh, be done. Mm. Any other goals you have outside of the sport of wrestling? Uh... I'm a pretty simple man, Jude. So, you know, I don't really require much. Right. So, you know, Take I think right, right now my sights are set on, on getting that buck. Uh, you know, archery starts in a little over a month. So I'm, just, I'm, I'm focused on, you know, coaching you guys, coaching the senior level athletes and, you know, getting me a, a deer with antlers this year. Nice. Well, hey, <laughs> what are you, you going to do with it? Are you going to mount it? I, Put it I up would, at M2? <laughs> Yeah, um, my it's my my brother in law always jokes. They're back in Pittsburgh. They got three boys, and you know I I'm not around that much. But when I do show up, I talk about all the things I like, and mm-hmm. I and I buy them things that I like. So for Christmas, I got them a big blow up deer. Yeah, and they practice. They practice. You know, taking it <laughs> down. You know, that's what I did. You know, they're awesome. five. They're they're six, four, and 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 one and a half. All boys. So you know, I I'm trying to get them to like the things that their uncle likes nice and and uh where was i going with this oh he always jokes because I, I miss deer he gives me a hard time all the right. time when are you gonna kill a deer when are you got you always talk about hunting you never kill a deer and i said you know what i can't wait till i get to that first one because i'm mm-hmm. gonna get it mounted and then i'm gonna hang it over your fireplace guys i'm gonna do, <laughs> I'm gonna do you the honor of looking at it every day oh man like <laughs> prove you wrong right yeah and then listen after you get the first one just keep they just keep coming to get better and better and better so I've been told. So I need to get that first one out of the oh, way. Oh, you're gonna have to gut a deer by yourself, and like I, I, I have shot a doe in the past. Okay. Oh, you, you want know? antlers? That's, that's why I keep saying antlers or a buck. Antlers. All right. Uh, you know, I have experienced it in, in gutting a deer and dragging it and all that stuff. All right. Um, and that doesn't that doesn't bother me. I'm not worried about that. So, mm. uh, I can I can handle that. I'm not worried about that. I'll handle it. That's good. Well, um, Coach Mark, as this this interview wraps up, is there any any last thoughts you want to leave our listeners with? Uh, maybe a uh, a pearl of wisdom, or a little a little nugget of information, or something like that. Um, I I'll I'll probably end them with just uh, you know, and you hear it's cool because you hear the Penn State guy or Penn State guy. You hear the <laughs> coach staff. You know, everybody's talking about fun, fun this, fun that, and um. I think that's that. Well, what is what is the emphasis of or why are, why are you wrestling? What is the purpose? You know, you want your kid, you want you you want your wrestler to enjoy it, mm. and that's why I was trying to give those tips and what to say, like you know, from a practice, from a parent watching a practice perspective, or from a parent or a coach watching or, or cornering a kid. Is you if you change the way or the things that you're telling them and talking to them, it's going to make it more fun. Mm. you know you know when you're talking when you're not talking about winning and losing 
and you're just talking about, hey, pay attention to the coach. Hey, you know, I didn't see you. The coach said you need to hustle in when we say bring it in. You didn't hustle in, you know, and that that takes that that makes the kid think about something else, right? Not necessarily getting their hand raised, but focusing on being the best wrestler they can be. Mm. So, you know, that's my little nugget is is focus on those little things that you can control. And from a parent's perspective, too. Right. So that's it, Mm. man. And uh, so I just I mean. I'm very grateful you took your time out of your super busy schedule. You're so well, busy. I owe you one. I owe you one. You, <laughs> took, all, you, you, you took this old man's uh, DVD collection of old wrestling videos and you, and you digitized it. Right. So, you know, I, I had to return the favor, Swish. Yeah, pick up that, uh, that flash drive and we'll get them to you. Yeah, I will. I, I'm going to order it on Amazon. It, it should be here in a couple of days. So Awesome. Can't wait. Um, and for everyone else who made it through this whole dang interview – uh, thank you so much for listening to this is episode 48, the home at advantage wrestling podcast. This is the 48th interview. Um, so that's, that means there's 47 others plus the original one with Mark McKnight. Um, that one, he's in a car and he nearly gets hit or something. And he starts <laughs> freaking oh, out. No. It's pretty funny. I saw, I saw a cop. <laughs> I saw a cop and he was going too I, fast. I was. Yeah. yeah. Well, I highly suggest if you haven't listened to that, you should go back and, and check that out. Um, but yeah, uh, thank you so much, Coach Mark McKnight, and then thank you to everyone who stuck around and listened. So no problem, dude. Thanks for the opportunity, man. All right, I'll see you guys around.